Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Chicago's been called the hog butcher for the world. Whether you eat meat or not, the effects this industry has had on the city are undeniable. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. While the infamous stockyards and slaughterhouses were on the city's south side, Fulton Market in the West Loop was the spot to buy cuts of meat right from the meat packers and butchers. And one of the remaining shops of this generation, Peoria Packing, is leaving Fulton Market for North Lawndale, where the company plans to expand. Paul DeRica, historian at the Chicago History Museum, is here to take us back in time to the neighborhood's heyday and to discuss what this says for the area's future. Paul, you shopped at Peoria Packing. Give us a visual. What's the experience like? Yeah, so imagine a place not dissimilar from a grocery store that you might know in terms of size and in terms of layout, but given entirely over to the carnivore or perhaps pescador that might exist within you. You can get beef, pork, lamb, goat, chicken, but also smoked meats, Mm -hmm. sausages, fish, pretty much anything that you can imagine. So I'm I'm guessing this shop has fueled many a a barbecue and and cookout for you? Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) You know, when I I first moved to Chicago in in 2005 uh, to go to school, like a lot of people, and I didn't really truly feel at home in the city until close to four years later uh, when I went to a cookout and met some people uh, who are still my friends to this day. It was a big event. There were about like 40, 50 people there. And the one thing that struck out to me was the, the quality of the bratwursts and, and Polish sausages. Mm. And the host, uh, a good friend of mine, Kenneth Morrison, revealed that they came from this place, Peoria Packing. Um, and, you know, that was, gosh, almost 14 years ago now at, at this point. And, you know, we've been going there ever since. Yeah. What else can you tell us about uh, its fan base? Because Peoria Packing's been around for, what, 30 years? Yeah, it's been, it's been there since the early 1990s, although, you know, it connects to a much longer history in that area. And I would say, you know, it's a place that definitely has very loyal customers for those who know about it. Um, It's not a place that probably gets a lot of like sidewalk shoppers. It's already a kind of destination. So that's why, you know, I'm happy to hear that it's going to be moving and not closing. Right. It'll still exist. People can go and and shop there, just a new location. Uh, But really, it's a place where you can go and you can get a very high quality of meat and you can get it at a very good price. And, and you can get it also pretty much in any amount that you want. So if you're hosting large family events, it's like the perfect place to, to yeah. go. In. And I'm curious, con- contrast this to like uh, publican quality meats, right? right? A deli, butcher shop, right. and, and dine-in restaurant that's also in the area. Like what is Peoria p- Packing doing differently? Well, I mean, there, there's some similarities, right? So Peoria Packing, I mean, they make their sausages on site, right? And then they do a lot of the preparation of, of the meats that, that you purchase there. I think what's different is Peoria's connecting to that older tradition of what was in the area, of what a kind of sort of a more neighborhood-based butcher shop would be like, where people would kind of shop there for generations. Uh, Peoria Quality Meats, great place, has also now been there for a while, um, but it's definitely kind of geared more towards the sorts of people who are coming into that area and have been since the, the early 2000s, yeah. right? Um, people who are there more, I think, for the experiences that they can have you know, on Fulton Street and, and Randolph Street, mm-hmm. whereas like with Peoria, I mean, people are coming there because it was kind of part of the, the fabric of the city. And that's where they were going to get the meat. 
that they would then use at their family gatherings. And and the president of Peoria Packing says that as part of this move and an expansion, they will open a deli. Right. You think that'll change the experience of, of shopping there? I you know it's just a, an added benefit, right? I mean, another there are some good delis that nice have existed on Randolph and Fulton area. Yeah, so it's a nice bonus. Yeah. So you know, l- let's go back a bit more. You know, Fulton Market became. A hub, essentially, right. for, for meat packing and wholesale butcher shops. How did that happen? Well, it was not by accident, and it has a very long history. So, you know, Chicago was ideally located to become a place where food from all surrounding regions could kind of come into the city and then be distributed elsewhere. We had the lake. By the middle of the 19th century, we also had an extensive railroad network. And so an intentional decision was made to open a public market on Randolph Street. In fact, the street was even widened to accommodate for this. And then from there, and this was, you know, east of Halstead, from there it just began to kind of expand west of Halstead. Mm -hmm. So that by the end of the 19th century, it's a thriving district. And there were distinctions. I mean, uh, east of Aberdeen, that's kind of where you would get your fruits and vegetables, for example. And you could buy, in many cases, directly from farmers coming in from surrounding areas. But there were wholesalers as well, you know, supplying restaurants and hotels and things. And then west of Aberdeen, that's where it was like poultry and butter and eggs and then, of course, the meatpacking industry. Mm-hmm. And it became not just a place where you could, you know, purchase meat and poultry and so forth, but also was a major supplier for the people who worked in, in those industries. So if you were a butcher and you needed tools or supplies, that was also the area uh-huh. where you would go to, to get them. What kind of uh, culture and community formed around these inter- industries? Well, there really was a, a culture and community that did form, and it was a distinct way of being. I, I Today, with the restaurants and the cafes and the other experiences that you can have there, it's perhaps difficult to imagine a period of time where, you know, activity in that area started very early in the morning, right? The early morning hours. That's when, you know, the suppliers would be arriving. That's where later on, you know, semi-trucks would be arriving with with some of the supplies. And so it really was a very kind of early morning through kind of mid-morning oriented life. And to support that, you had, you know, a lot of diners and, and restaurants that catered to the people living in uh, there, uh, or catered to the people, pardon me, working there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also had, you know, some saloons and bars as well uh, that often would open early in the morning for people coming off the third shift mm-hmm. because in a lot of the manufacturing plants, they were working in uh, That's right. pretty much 24 hours. So, What would you say are the benefits and drawbacks to having a dense area with similar markets versus what we're seeing now, having them scattered throughout the city? Well, the, I mean, the, as I mentioned, I mean, this area didn't develop by accident. It was sort of intentionally kind of placed there. And then over time, it was continually sort of tweaked and developed with support of the city. So they would widen different streets. They would kind of pass different ordinances. And what the benefit of, of, of that kind of planning is, is that you kind of know where to go, right? You've right. got this kind of, density of supplies and services. It helped, you know, those different industries also form associations. It helped people working with them to to, to eventually unionize. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really kind of like led to a a sort of stability that was kind of key to kind of also making food more accessible to the the broader city. Um, Now, I mean, I I think we exist or we've become so used to things being dispersed that perhaps it's, it's not as much of a challenge as it might have been um, in days where transportation opportunities were, were more limited and were just delivery options as well. I mean, most of us kind of, you know, we order things online as, as much as we maybe go out and, and shop somewhere. 
So I, I think, you know, the, the challenge that exists in that area is that it was designed for that purpose of providing, you know, wholesale fruits, vegetables, meat, and, and so forth. And now it's become this kind of hub for like restaurants and the nightlife. And it wasn't necessarily designed for that. Yeah. Just ask anyone who needs to park over <laughs> That's there. That's true. Right. That is true. So, Paul, when did the West Loop and Fulton Market actually start to become so trendy? Like, well, what what forces would you, you say led to You can debate it, but uh, in September 1988, something very significant happens in that area on Washington, and that is Oprah Winfrey purchases a studio mm-hmm. that becomes Harpo Studios, and that becomes a hub around which other businesses and restaurants and things um, begin to form, and that you know gets people kind of interested in the area, and you could see why that area would be attractive. One, it's location, mm-hmm. right? It's very close to the loop, just west of the loop. Two, relatively affordable, well-constructed buildings that could be adapted to different uses. You've got all these big warehouse buildings and so forth. Uh, and three, it's got like a unique character because it was a sort of hub of kind of all this wholesale work. If you're really interested in like, you know, farm-to-table eating practices, it's the perfect place mm-hmm. to kind of locate your restaurant. So all of that, you know, kind of helps to kind of grow the appeal of this area. And then, you know, you start getting some restaurants and coffee shops, as you might expect, because the affordable rents and some creative people. And you even get some art galleries coming in there along Randolph Street. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're attracted to what makes that area unique. And for a period of time, the two worlds are kind of coexisting, right, in the kind of early to mid-2000s. So you've still got all the people there pulling up in the semi-trucks in the early morning hours, Mm -hmm. going to the diners, People can still go to places like Peoria Packing. But then you're also starting to get the restaurants and the nightlife as, as well. And it's kind of interesting where those two right. come into contact. And it really does kind of come down to parking. Because in the early 2000s, they start ticketing <laughs> anybody who like parks on the sidewalk. So a lot of the people, the wholesalers, right. were used to having a certain access to the area, being able to park there. And now they're starting to get ticketed. But I want to talk more about this yeah. restaurant row, right? right? Because, I mean, these restaurants, they prided themselves on, on sourcing locally and on right. the, the craft of all stages of procurement and, and preparation. But now, you know, many of the wholesalers are leaving, as we've been talking about it, because it's too expensive. Right. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, it, it changes the, the character of the neighborhood, but it's a pattern that I think we've seen in areas of the city um, throughout its history, right? right? A, something makes an area appealing that's because of a quality that's unique to it, right? And people want to go there. And, you know, you got great architecture. you got this great access to food. So people start going there. But then, you know, people of, of means want to start living in these areas. And they begin to tear down some old buildings, build some new ones. And then eventually there isn't like... I mean, people just yeah. can't afford to live there. And businesses we're seeing, can't pat- afford we're to- seeing patterns. Right. The changing nature of this neighborhood, of right. downtown... Exactly. Starting to look the same. And that's kind of like, you know, the sort of sad sort of pattern that kind of plays out in different areas across the city. Like Fulton Market, I mean, parts of it were designated a historic district because they have such a, the architecture is so unique and singular to the city. And it has such an integrity, right? It's a part of the city that looks completely unlike any other part of that the city. That is true. Right? Yes. You got those beautiful buildings of like red brick that were like built in the late 1880s. Love passing through there. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like you're taking a trip back through time. You can Especially still imagine. <laughs> right. Uh, and you got like, there's even a building that, you know, is attributed to Louis Sullivan and Dankmar Adler that Frank Lloyd Wright might have worked on. That's like right. one of the, the meat packing plants. And so this, you know, this beautiful, like singular part of the city. So you can understand why it would be attractive. Um, 
But yeah. then, you know, once new businesses move in and they've got more resources, they kind of push out companies like Peoria Bank. Well, like you said, the good news is they're not shutting down. Right. They're just moving. Are you going to visit? Of course. The yeah. new spot? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Derica is a historian at the Chicago History Museum. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me here. This episode was produced by Linnea Dominic and edited by Ethan Schwab. Want more Reset on the go? Well, sign up for our free newsletter. Go to wbez.org slash Reset News. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.